Ah, welcome back to Fishing Without Bait, a lifetime without definitive expectations, where we help people create themselves rather than find themselves, where the only entrance requirement is the honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness to try. And we're continuing our fascinating conversation with Ryan and his journeys through wrestling and mental health. It's impossible, Ryan, to have a mind of anxiety and a mind of gratitude at the same time. They, can, they cannot coexist impossible yeah right so i yeah i'm I'm definitely still more anxious i i I never feel those ways at the same time but sometimes i I can sit back and really go like great like everything that i have is fine and good and i'm I'm very content um but i have like fleeting moments of anxiety still um where it's you know and it is exactly what you're saying there uh i have this expectation i've set for myself and it's as like lenient as I, I'll let it be. Like if I, if it was really stressing me out, I'd be exercising more. Uh, but it just is like in the smallest way. Thank goodness for medication. <laughs> well, better living through chemistry. Uh, that that's worked out for me. Uh, I won't get into like my uh, light script, but like just to help with the, my generalized anxiety, um, I don't run into attacks as hard as I was definitely a year ago. Well, anxiety is year. the People often ask, if they're asked, what is the present most people present with when they go to therapy? They would probably think it's depression. It's anxiety by mm-hmm. far. Mm-hmm. So what we, what we try to do is stay in front of depression. I always tell people, I said, you know what? It's easier to prevent a riot than to stop one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I always encourage people with generalized anxiety disorder to take their medication every day. Yep. Smokey the Bear says only you can prevent forest fires. And so far, yeah, that's very consistently worked out for me. Um, yeah. Well, and I, I just remember feeling like the the change within the month and um, just not like thought spiraling was like the coolest thing. And moving on in, in like the span of not just like a whole day, but like within maybe the half hour. Oh, sometimes, sometimes you need it. If we're live and we're, we're in video, look, sometimes you just need it. Don't, don't be ashamed. Just like go after that stuff. It's great. I feel awesome. Like I feel much better than I did a year ago. Well, it was so difficult to manage and like self-regulate. It's almost, sometimes it's almost impossible. Yeah, it was It totally the word, the words impossible. It was impossible for me to self-regulate in like 2022. I could, I couldn't do it. And I was like, I was affected by events and then I became just like the worst possible, like least secure, most anxiety ridden version of myself. And the most help I went for was like, I started talking to a therapist again, uh-huh. but like, to be honest, I was like freaking out every like day about what happened and how people, how other people were reacting to it and like all this shit that I couldn't control. Yeah. But I was hurt uh, for what it's worth. Um, like, like give myself some, some grace in that. Well, it but, sounds like there was a lot of factors involved there. A ton, a ton, yeah. Generally, with generalized anxiety, what happens is we have a overstimulated amygdala. Mm. That that's the one of the oldest parts of your brain. Yeah, and survival it holds, instinct. Kind of. it, it's the flight, flight, or freeze, and it holds a lot of memories, uh, particularly negative ones. Mm. Don't don't they call it like your lizard brain kind of? That they call it the lizard brain. Yeah, I like we to. Have, we have two two amygdalas. I liked to uh, play with the idea of like using the amygdala as like the lizard character, and he's always ah. he's always like uh, fighting from that like perspective. Um, 
and like that helped me dehumanize the character nah. as well, make it more like I don't know slimy. <laughs> well, that sounds like fun. So maybe that's where you got the gecko character, huh? Oh, they just gave it to me, and oh, then I had they? to like I had to find I had to go and find that. Like once they were like, "You're this lizard," and um, whatever, I had to figure out what that was. Uh, I remember them telling me to like watch Cirque. Cirque du Soleil, okay, and to see how some of the like animals moved around. Not so much like worrying about the technique of my maneuvers, though. Like I tried to think about that, but really just how to get into this character. And um, yeah, yeah, I tried to shift and think uh, creatively, like how to pull emotion away from that character. The first couple times I worked with it, which was hard because you have to use your whole body. You don't have your face, um, so it still wound up like even though I was trying to think of that early on. And I think how, the, like, the way he falls and uh, what we call cells and acts like he's hurt is still, like, cartoonish and goofy. <laughs> it, I didn't quite get what I was aiming for all of the time. Well, what I'm impressed <laughs> with now, what I'm looking at, uh, Ryan, is that you're a thinker and that there's constantly I'm something going on inside. There's a lot of chatter in between your ears. Uh, yeah, yeah. I probably, like, I've given up on the concept that I'm going to, like, annoy the heck out of people um, by opening up so much. Um I don't, I, I don't care if anyone's annoyed anymore. Um, <laughs> I, I guess, I guess I don't care about that anymore. Um, and I don't feel like I have personally anything that like warrants hiding from people I care about or even people who like <laughs> don't care about me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I just go on and on and that constant like thrumming of my attention deficit disorder brain, uh, the caffeine I just drank, like, Yeah. And I love to be locked in like this right now. Just, <laughs> thanks for letting me talk it. so much. So uh, I have this tattoo on the other arm. It's do no harm. Mm-hmm. As long as you're doing no intentional harm to anyone or anything, right. do as you choose. Mm-hmm. And my like, my point of harm, like where, where I think I do harm is when I get frustrated and angry. Um. Yeah, and I've tried my whole life to not be like the outburst machines that my folks, my older brother, like the the, the like the environment that uh, I was fostered in, that my mind was like fostered in, how I like learned how to socially interact with people. Like this, uh, my home life was so aggressive, um, and it took me a long time to see that that wasn't normal in a lot of homes to like make friends with people, and you know you don't see everything, but I could see clear as day that it it wasn't the same. I think about, I think about like, uh, so an old friend has his, uh, has his permit and he's driving with his dad in the passenger seat and gets cut off and he flips someone the bird and his dad slaps his hand back of his hand. And he's right. Like there's no need to do any of that. And his dad turns around to me and apologizes to me for having to see that. And I, I remember, I still it, it like affects me still to this day because I was flabbergasted by like by the notion that an adult was going to apologize to me for witnessing uh, like violence. Like he was very concerned and like very apologetic, and like uh, that that stuck as such a moment of being like, oh, this is so that's not like normal <laughs> at all. And they they were both like very embarrassed and like they they'd had this kind of important, like, private moment in front of me. And honestly, like, this guy shouldn't have been <laughs> flipping people the bird in traffic with his, uh, his, his dad was right. Um, 
it just wasn't to the extent of like what I knew a uh, hand to be uh, from from a father. And I, I almost like laugh about it. I usually ask people when they realized that their own home life was dysfunctional. Yeah. I mean. And it's usually by observing other families. I think I knew before, but didn't have like, like I hadn't processed the thoughts, but I had this feeling like something was wrong. And there were a lot of things like, eh, there's, there's plenty I wouldn't like to unpack, but um, there was a lot, a lot. Um, hmm. And yeah, I didn't until I was about like a teenager and saw that. And then that was just like, like the spark that opened up like me figuring out that I needed to separate, um, which took years and years, like over a decade. Um, but not physically, like eventually I just stopped speaking like, so I don't speak with my immediate family. Okay. Yeah. It's been that way for about five, going to be six years. And like, I, I don't, I don't want to sound mean or anything. Well, but you it's, don't it's have been to. The, it's been the best for me. It's, <laughs> it's, it's been best for me and my like survival and my like, ability to find myself. So here's what I ask people, Ryan. I yeah. sit with the buck when they're dealing with family members like that. Sure. I ask them, if you weren't genetically linked to this person, would they be a person that you would invite to a party or want to be around or uh, invite to your kid's party or uh, just go out for a picnic with them? No. And generally they say no. And I say, well, then give me a reason why uh, just because you're genetically linked to this person that you have to you have to like them. Yeah. I I agree. And like I I've thought about that a lot. Um like if it weren't if it weren't for the blood, right? Like what what would I have going on there? And it's like a lot of time invested, but like I didn't make that choice to to be there. And oof, I heard a lot about <laughs> how I wasn't part of the plan and how that affected things. And so like it's really easy for me to think about no, I wouldn't want them around. We would host. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll unpack something. <laughs> or should I? You, uh, How much time do we have? We, 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 All right. What were you going to say before I before I, I was I was going it? to say everyone's a product of their past. You can choose whether to become a victim of it. Yeah. But if you want to unpack something, please do. Yeah. A, it, vic it, a victim it, of it. It like, could probably help somebody else. I don't know. It's just, just listening. It's just a really morbid story. But I had to like hear it over and over again. So let me torture you with this. Um, and, and you talk about like inviting people to parties and would you do this? Like, no. Um, whenever we'd have like a gathering at the house and not often, um, but when we did and one that stands out was like high school graduation party, which by the end of high school, I was like so checked out. <laughs> um, I was, I was hardly there. Um, but I remember like this story finally being told in front of my friends and their parents and the the vibe in the backyard changing um and i'd heard it my whole life i'm like kind of dealt with the reality of it i don't know why until that point i didn't think about it like wow this is this is fucking weird and wrong but um well, mom was getting tipsy and she starts telling this story about when i was an infant and the gist of it is like and from what i've pieced together from talking to some of my extended family is like Financial trouble was understood because I was born and that changed my brother's life. But I heard how my folks talked about like issues of money and survival and, you know, the roof over our heads and eating my whole life. What I didn't realize was like that affected my older brother when he was very young. So the gist of it is he, he hung me with a bathroom belt uh, and I'm like nothing years old. 
and goes and takes my mom on this wild goose chase around the house looking for his bathrobe belt. Uh, so I'd been like suffocating for, I don't know, minutes before like I got any help. And <laughs> it's just like an insane story to tell at social gatherings, but it like in this way for so many years, it was mentally putting me in my place and reminding me like how at risk my survival was even in the environment I was in. So like there was a lot of time I spent like under the threat of violence and then being like, oh yeah, I'm under threat of death right now. And that like, that was a reality for me in development for so long. And I think is like the base of a lot of my feeling of anxiety when it's so heavy that like my breathing short and I can't approach a situation normally or talk to someone even like it is, it's the feeling that someone's coming to like beat the shit out of me or like, uh, asphyxiate me for a while or like just demean me in general. So, well, that's a type of childhood trauma that can, unless it's dealt with, can last a lifetime. Yeah. And so like, I'm constantly working on it, but it's there, you know? Um, and it's, it's really been like the time and separation away from that environment that's allowed me to like start to grow between myself and like my past trauma. But you know, like, uh, well, you had to have been walking around fearful all the time, <laughs> all the time. I like hiding out in my room a lot or like, or just trying to get away. Um, like the whole summer before we moved to Virginia, I was just hanging out with this older kid, like, being miscreants because like for the first time and like never coming home that summer and being very latchkey and that that was freedom but also like it was an introduction to like shady behavior uh, uh and and stuff like that but god it, if i didn't need that like every bit of escape when you're marginalized in your own home it's weird to think about myself as well marginalized uh i like i paint myself in the picture that like look i'm i'm a cis white man who grew up in like suburban America and like things weren't so bad, you know, but like also, um, yeah, within, within the house, like things were crazy. Um, I, I hate, I, I shudder to use the C word, but, um, there was definitely like unchecked. Um, I, I don't even know what to call it cause I don't want to like try to diagnose my parents, but like there, there were some unchecked issues going on in their own past trauma. Anytime that like that was inflicted on me, there was like the, the levy of like, also I had it this much worse, which is like an unbearable weight when you're, you've just been like smacked around with rings and your, your face is bleeding uh, for to... listening to Chumbawamba. <laughs> Sorry. Were you able to share some of this with any teachers at school or a guidance counselor? I never thought of it as big enough to, and then there were, th there were things looking back where it's like insane and it would have torn like, uh, the, there's like criminal, there's all of it's pretty much criminal behavior when you look at it. And I had, I had been given the, uh, the speech about child protective services and a, um, a foster family that would be worse for me that would take me in for uh, state benefit, uh, and then abuse me worse. So like, I don't, I no no, I pretty much was like, I can't run, but these are the conditions and they're not so bad. And then you get to zoom out. Like I got to grow up and zoom out and take a look at the world and see a lot of like, just to see that that's not normal. It's not okay. Uh, and then like to know how consistently it was justified to me and how like, God, if I didn't spend the time to reexamine this stuff, like how warped my perception of the world could or would be like a lot of that behavior and that environment leaves me fearful to like 
then start my own family. So I don't think I will. I think I could be like the dad who stepped up, like a stepdad. Uh, but like, I don't know that I could like, like rear my own youth. And then looking at the state of the world, no. But like, I'm just like, I'm way too fearful to become anything like them too. Um, well, we, you said that big word, fear. Fear is the most fundamental emotion that people fear. And Ryan, there's, there's folks out there that are going to be listening to this podcast saying, Ryan's telling my story. We'll be continuing our conversation with Ryan next week, a fascinating conversation, delving into the depths of his soul. And a free prescription for you, fruits, nuts, and vegetables. Unplug that television and take up fishing. And for a truly mindful experience without expectations, fish without bait. Do a kindness for another and do a kindness for yourself. Forgive yourself and forgive another. Till all are free, none are free. If we're all not the divine's children, then none of us are. Be good to yourself today and every day. Namaste. If you're interested in flying the colors of fishing without bait, click the shop icon on our website. We have clothing, mugs, cell phone cases, and so much more. Show the world that you fish without bait. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.